success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cami Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible Podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. But guess what? It's time again. We have He's Invincible with us today, and I'm so excited to introduce you to our guest today. Are you navigating the tangled tensions of life, leadership, the personal and professional? As a leadership resilience educator and coach, Matthew partners with leaders to assess, adapt, and accelerate life transformation by understanding and reconciling their tensions. Clients walk away with reframe clarity and balance along with a personally crafted development plan. Born the 10th of 13 children in a small town in New England, Matthew left home at the age of 18 on a mission to serve others through formal religious ministry. This led him to Italy, Ireland, England, Colombia, Chile, and Mexico, along with a few years of active duty as a special staff officer and chaplain in the U.S. Navy, where he served sailors and Marines. He transitioned from 30 years of formal ministry to life and leadership coaching and education in order to continue to serve human development and growth in varying professional sectors. And Matthew Brackett, welcome to the She's Invincible podcast. We are so excited to have you back again with us. Thank you, Cammy. I feel this is a privilege to be back again with She's uh, Invincible. Thank you. Oh my gosh. And before we go any further, we absolutely must give a shout out to Rebecca Urban. Rebecca had commented on the last episode that Matthew and I did together on She's Invincible. And I asked her, what did you love about it? And what else would you like to hear? And so this episode goes out to Rebecca Urban. Thank you so much, Rebecca, for being a loyal listener to our show. Thank you for the amazing compliments that you paid to Matthew in your comments. And this show is dedicated to you today. And we are going to talk about the requested topic. And I cannot wait to dive in. But before we do, Matthew, <laughs> tell us how in the world did you get where you are today? And what makes you invincible? The short version is, as you already said, I was a 10th of 13 children. I left home at 18. I went to seminary and I went with a lot of visions and, and dreams and ideals that brought me to a lot of different countries, brought me to be ordained a Catholic priest in 2002. And that brought, I was working in, in Rome, I was working in Colombia and Chile and Ireland. So many fascinating experiences. 
but along that journey, there was this bubbling up in me. There was a sort of, I don't know what it was, sort of a discontent that turned into sadness, depression, and sort of in questioning and not understanding. It really turned into a huge crisis, identity crisis, and then life crisis, and all these. It went on for years. As as human beings, we're very good sometimes at sitting sitting in difficult situations. It went on for a while, and and I tried different things to make it work, and then finally I just had to realize that ministry wasn't the right fit for me, and so I transitioned then to to what I'm doing now with Bracket Alliance, really serving people in their personal development and really how they lead themselves and how they lead others on a personal and organizational level. I love that. I love that. And what makes you invincible, as you say? <laughs> well, I. <laughs> <laughs> in our last recording, I said I it's I don't believe that we're invincible, but something that with the topic that we're going to talk about is I believe that hope has helped me to be invincible. I went up a lot, of, and it's not I'm not trying to toot my horn, but it was I went up a lot against a lot, and sometimes I look back and say, how did I make it? But it was this this very deep, what I would call theological hope, which is a confidence in what is to come. And now that I transitioned, and this very much applies to my life now as, as an entrepreneur and starting my own practice, it's, it's still very challenging because, but I live with this hope that I know that there's so much goodness right around the corner. The corner is a little bit longer than I expected it to be, but I know it's there. Oh, I love <laughs> I that. I love that. And I, this, today's like the first day I don't have my hope bracelet on. So, oh, all right. Well, that is amazing. And I believe that it's true that hope, hope is definitely a big player in invincibility. All right. Well, we are ready to jump in our topic today. And this comes from Rebecca. And I'm just going to read what she said. So Rebecca said she would love to hear on the topic of disillusionment. What happens when a stage of life is reached where one realizes that some of the goals they had set for themselves when they were younger seem less, less achievable or maybe even impossible? She asks, perhaps we change the goalpost. Perhaps we take what we've learned and create new dreams built upon lessons we've learned thus far on the journey of life. And so I'm so excited to jump in. So Rebecca, I hope you're listening. This is for you. And I hope we answer all your questions, but you know the drill. If you have more questions or you want to hear another topic, please just drop us a line and we'll be sure to bring it to you. So Matthew, you're on, no pressure. <laughs> speak right, to, yes, yeah, speak to Rebecca. Yes. Such a great topic. And when I first saw it, I was like, oh. And then I just began to reflect right, on our on our lives as human beings, and, and on my life, and on people that I've dealt with. It's so it's so such a common human experience. So I kind of got excited about it, and I began to also read a little bit about it. So that I want to explain a little bit about disillusionment. Yes, because right? even this the word illusion doesn't do it justice because it's very disillusionment has a very different meaning. Illusion is sort of like something that's someone that lives in the clouds and it's, nothing's realistic. Disillusionment. Now I'll run through a, qu a few quick explanation. It happens when, when we hold on to this idealistic belief or expectation of something, and then we experience disappointment. When we discover that things maybe weren't as good as we believed it to be. That's one type of disillusionment. Another type of disillusionment is 
when our deeply held beliefs or expectations are challenged by circumstances. Now, the, the common denominator is that we have an expectation. We have an ideal, which is so important for us as human beings because there's something in our heart. While we are finite beings in so many ways, we live in a finite world, there's something, and I believe, something infinite in our soul and our heart that we aspire to much more. And so we have this idealism. And as John Maxwell says, he says, what, what's disappointment and frustration is the distance between the ideal and the real. Right, the expectations in reality. So that tension is so important to have, but it's important that that tension and that it be a healthy tension and not totally, you know, that it's just too far between the expectations. And that's sometimes what we do to ourselves as human beings with our expectations and our ideals. It can also be with the way we're educated, the way we're brought up. And some faith environments can also do that to us, you know, where we have these high ideals of heroism and a virtue. And then we get into the the, the reality of life and realize, in, that disillusionment, right? And so it can have, and adolescents can experience this with their parents, right? When you go from being a little baby child, then to an adolescent, you, be, <laughs> you know, and when you're a child, your your parents are your heroes and all this, they could, they could do no wrong, but then you, then sort of you get to that moment where this is this moment of disillusionment, right? When we elect politicians, right? They end up, right? We, we, we elect them and then we, we can, this, we can be disillusioned, and the religious experience, there's going to be a lot of disillusionment in the religious experience because we have high ideals and expectations about what that will be. And then then reality sets in or the human element about the religious experience sort of sets in. Relationships, dating and friendships, and marriage, committed relationships. And even, as, you know, a very simple example is when we're craving for something, right? I, I want to try this ice cream that I used to have when I was a baby or I want to try or a kid when I want, right? And then we go back and we try the mac and cheese or the, you know, I was like, ah, but what's just didn't hit the spot the way it used to, right? <laughs> So this, that's very much more, um, not, not an idealist, but very human and down to earth experience of disillusionment. But it's so interesting because I was looking into this and, and there is a book that, by um, Peter Greer and Chris Horst. Now, it's a faith-based book, but they talk about, the title is The Gift of Disillusionment. And I think part of it is, so we have this idealism that we're talking about, and they term the idealism as a false hope. And they term disillusionment as a faint hope. Now, the important thing is, so I... As I said, idealism is important. In other words, having goals, having high expectations, yearning for the infinite, but keeping our feet very much on the ground. Okay, and so disillusionment is when that hope can be lost. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in a bit, because that's so important. And then what we do with that is so important. We choose, do we hope? Do we choose to, for enduring hope? In other words, we choose hope, or do we choose cynicism? And that's, and that, and I think that's what kind of, when we get disillusioned, we can, yeah, we can lose hope and we can become very disenchanted with life, right? And we can feel hurt. We can feel disappointment. And then it makes us kind of doubt everything, right? Because we begin to view our life through the pain. We begin to view our life through the wounds, through um, the negativity. And we also need to make a choice. Is that where I want to live? Do I want to live in that negative space? Right, because because the disillusionment can place us there. It kind of brings us down, but it really we hit the ground really hard, and then we're just like, is it worth getting up? Is it worth hoping and continuing the walk? So my message is, is yes, very much so. 
right? But but we have to, we have to make the choice. Some people choose to because of so much pain through disillusionment that I prefer just the bittersweet corner of feeling sorry for myself and that things didn't work out. And then and we become really we become our greatest obstacle because we become blinded to so many opportunities. We won't try anything anymore. But that's very natural. If a relationship didn't work out and we get hurt, well, it's, it's hard and we need to heal first. And so healing is very much part of then of that hope, of that process of hope. And so and that's another thing that I think it's important to talk about is how we process this and how and that really dealing with it is so important. And because when we just leave it at disillusionment and so I'm just going to settle for less, I'm going to have no more expectations or dreams Sure, that's right. Maybe it's an easier way to life, but is it fulfilling? Does does that does that bring light into you, you know, into your life? And does that bring a spark back? Well, I don't think so. And then you begin to be that sort of negative person, not only for yourself, but also for others. And so then, because when we lose that, then possibilities no longer exist. Mm. And we're just content with with whatever comes my way. Mm. And that's, that's not taking ownership of our life. But the disillusionment, it's very real experience, right? And so as you know, we've all been through it, you know, and I went through it in my life and with, you know, in ministry, having all these dreams and expectations for myself and sort of running into the wall again and again, that like, I can't do it. And it's what's wrong with me. Part of it was I just had high standards for myself, right? But I was also in a church and a faith that also has very high standards. And so everything just seemed so much out of reach the way I was taught and, and so I live constantly frustrated and discouraged. Mm-hmm. And, but I've grown a lot through that. that that's, that's not even what, what, what God wants of us. Right? So in my own personal journey, there's, I've been through that. But again, I'm, let's leave space for you to, if you have a comment or question. Oh, first of all, I'm like, get out of my head. <laughs> You're preaching to me right now. Okay, so... I, I love that you uh, brought God into this, what you said, because that's not what God wants for us. Um, and I, and I want to ask you a question about that. Uh, that is a further uh, question from Rebecca, which is, uh, where does God's plan fit into this? Like, who is the author of our life? You know, how do we know if we're doing what God is calling us to do? Is God even calling us to do something? Is he giving us freedom to choose? Mm-hmm. Let's talk about mm-hmm. that. Okay. So yeah, in, in the faith-based um, area or environment, right? And if we talk about Christian-based, there's this, there's this belief that God has a plan, has a will for us. And part of our task is to discover what that is. I sort of reverse it. What is God's plan for us? God, God wants us, at least you know, from our tradition, God wants us to be happy in this world and in the next. It's that simple. Now, as humans, we sort of are like, well, no, but it's got to be like this, and it's going to be like this, it's going to be like this. Right? Of course, we have sacred scripture. We have a lot of guidance for us in that how do we find happiness, because we also know that we can look for happiness in places where it's not, and we can get hurt, right? and we can get burnt, and then we realize, no, that's, that's, not, no, that's not the happiness I was made for. That was very passing. So that's what God, in the end, that's what God wants from us. And he gives us guidelines on how to do that. It's sort of like an owner's manual. You know, the Ten Commandments can sometimes be explained as an owner's manual, how to understand what helps us find fulfillment, right? And, and what doesn't. So is God the author of my life? Yes, he has very much to do with our creation. Now, is he the one that writes our story? No. 
he, he wants us to write our story. And he wants to be part of that. He wants to be with us. God is with us. He walks with us. He has desires and dreams for us. But he put, as you said, he puts those in our heart. Even sacred scripture says that. He puts that in our job is to sort of understand what is written in our heart. And to walk that path with God. There's a, some, some people would, you know, and would say you know, the whole term of predestination. In other words, God already knows. And so we have, it's all planned. So we just, we can do whatever we want because we're already predestined. But God gave, we have a gift of freedom. And God chose that he will always respect our freedom. Now, this is this week ago on a whole nother tangent with this topic because right. the problem of evil, the problem of, you know, of, of bad, right, in the world. And how, where does that fit in with God? And anyway, the gift of freedom has is very central to that whole conversation. God gives us a gift of freedom and he walks with us. And if now we have to make choices and we make choices that hurt us and we make choices that help us. And we learn as, as we go. So what does God want in the big picture? He walks with us and his big picture is he wants us, as I said, to be happy in this world, to be fulfilled and to be happy with him in heaven. Mm. And he walks with us as we strive to get there. He walks with us through the verdant pastures and through the dark valleys. Right. So one of the, one of the points in, in, in coaching, right. And there's this, this, there's this trend called um, narrative therapy, narrative coaching. And there's other sort of even just coaching in general, but part of it is to free ourselves from, from these stories that we can tell ourselves or that other significant others are telling us right from our own mind, from our internal judge, the saboteurs that are within us, right? They're sort of like the internal judge in us are the ones that end up writing our story. And this is generally, it, it limits us and it confines our story. And so while our stories are definitely, we are limited because we're living in a finite world. And, but the point seems to be that we want to, our story wants to be open to life, to light, to possibility, to grace, to hope. And that's where God is. That's where God's waiting for us. Not I love the, that. Not in the darkness of, of our own personal judge or the judge of others, but he's waiting on the other side where there's light. He says, no, come this, this way, come this way. He wants us, and the disillusionment, the danger there is disillusionment keeps us in that, stuck in that we no longer hope, we no longer dream, I can't love again, I don't want to give again, and that's for a human being, that's a killer, because we're made to love, we're made to give, we're made to hope and to dream. Mm. Such wisdom, Matthew. So I wrote a few notes uh, to kind of talk to as well to Rebecca on this, just from my side of it. And I know you have had the same thing happen to you, right? Where you've made decisions to leave things that you've done and go in a different direction. And it's not easy and it never feels good because it's scary, right? Because mm -hmm. of the unknown, right? Yes. So I, do you believe like we're evolving as well? Like, I think we have to give ourselves grace because like we go and we do what we think we're called to do. And that, but we evolve, like, and to use myself as an example, you know, in my early years in business, I, I was in corporate and then I left corporate so I could stay home and work from home so I could be with my kids. Like that mm -hmm. was a decision I made. 
And then, you know, this is where I really feel what Rebecca was inquiring about because now my kids are grown, right? So now, now I have evolved to this place where I'm out of the responsibility, like daily responsibility of motherhood, and I can do anything I want, right? So I think that's like how I've evolved. And now I have walked away from that next thing and gone into something new, which is how I got here, right? To mm. podcasting and what I do today. And so, but I remember feeling at midlife, like, who am I to take this turn and, you know, totally change everything after I was committed to doing all of this for almost 30 years. And I think I know you've been through that too, right? The same yeah. question and like, and what does the future hold? And I think, well, one of the things you said is hope. And I would love to talk about that more, um, uh, just about the hope and, and then how do you, you know, it's scary, right? We've all been through it. I think everybody has been through something like that in their life. Um, we were not made to live and die. But uh, how do you get through that, through the scary parts of that? Because it is fearful. And every step of the way, we question ourselves about, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And I feel like that approach also makes it harder because we're just not all in, right? So, yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. It, well, what happens through that whole process is, and part of this is identity. Identity is so important for us as human beings as we grow. And, and, and so sometimes we latch on to these identities, um, but so important that our identity also grow within us. Oftentimes we latch on to these professional identities. And for me, it was ministry. And for me, it's just sort of with my personality, that was important. I, I think I lacked a lot of self-confidence. And so, well, if I do this, then I'll be seen, then I'll be valued, then I'll be do something important. Right? And, and that part of my crisis was that distanced me, detached me very much from who I was. And I didn't, and I lost myself along the way, all with good intentions, but I got lost. And so the, the whole, and I think this happens to a lot of people in their professional life or in they get married and then in in women, you know, they become or just parents. They become parents. Women become mothers, and for some, the, being a mother was everything that they ever wanted. But then, when the children leave, well, so that's that's a huge crisis. And now, who am I? That's right. right. Or it could be the other where women are very professional, but then they have kids, and then they're also in that tension of, but you know, I I want to do this, but I'm also this, and so who am I? Right, and how can I find fulfillment in, in this? And so so definitely, so there's everyone's little crises or process of crisis is very different, but in the end, it comes back to a lot of the same things. And part of it is identity. So all of this requires a lot of personal work and having someone that I can do this work with. And that's hard for us. It's hard to invite someone into that very vulnerable space when our life falls apart. And so identity, the other thing is, as you said, fear and insecurity. Right, stepping into nowadays we call it pivot. Right, how do I pivot? <laughs> pivot in our mind sounds really quick. Right, in basketball you pivot. Right, you do it in a matter of a half a second. But no, in this stage in life, I think it takes a long time because we, as human beings, we have to process things in a natural way. And I like to say that when when we look at the flowers, when we look at the trees outside, and no matter how much we've advanced as a society, trees continue to grow at the same rate. And human beings as, as well. And so going the pro nothing like the process, but it's painful, but we have to be willing to go through it because there's so much richness. There's so much growth. And as you said, we evolve. Yes, but 
that evolution obviously is understood as a positive thing. Yes. Right. And so when we lean into the process, when we get involved and when we engage, it's going to lead to a lot of good things, but we don't see it right away. There's the fears, these insecurities. And so part of that, the coaching journey or the therapeutic journey, it is, it's, and with disillusionment, it's rewriting the narrative of my story, understanding that what I had hoped for, I'd expected, it's, it, I have to adjust it. So it requires some humility, being very grounded. But part of it is that, um, change who we are, change how we see ourselves and reconstruct our life and also reconstruct how we view ourselves. And in, so in the process, really, we are our, oftentimes, we are our biggest obstacle. And because we had these expectations, dreams, and all well and good, but things shifted, something happened. And so we need to readjust. And, readjust and, and that's hard for us. Oh my gosh, the identity, you nailed it right there. When you said that, I was like, boom, he got it. You hit the nail on the head. And I know, you know, that you are working with your clients and, and helping them through things like that, right? Identity is a big thing. We, you know, we have to remember that we're not the car we drive. We're not the house we live in. We're not, you know, the balance in our bank account or the job we do or the vacations we take that we're, we're way more valuable than that. And yet we constantly go back to this identity of attaching ourselves to something, right? That's not forever, right? <laughs> like, right. you know, it's, it, it, they're fleeing things, but you know what? When you were saying this, I was thinking about that hope, right? And I think what a fun way to be able to approach this with a hope that the next thing is going to be even better. So not so much abandoning or, you know, pivoting, which I have to tell you a funny thing about that, but not so much uh, looking at it as what we're leaving behind as what we're moving toward and the hope that it would be even better than we imagine, better than what we've already had and that we're continuing, as you said, the trees grow no matter how much we advance are still growing at the same rate. And I think like we need to be believing that as we go through these processes that it's only going to be the next best thing will be better. Yes. And that I, is a hope I can hold on to. Yes. And what yes. you make me think of, Cami, when you say that is the whole process of disillusionment and sort of coming back to hope is very parallel to the stages of grief, right? Where there's this shock, right? And surprise, whatever, then there's this denial, anger. And that's why I was sitting, you know, with disillusionment, where that's where people can sometimes sit with anger and bitterness, right? And the depression, right? Bargaining, depression. And then, the stage of grief end with with acceptance. And that's that's certainly what we're talking about, where we begin to embrace my new reality. Where in the in grief, it means that we lost something or someone. But disillusionment is again very linked in, in my mm. views. And it sort of all comes back to acceptance, and reframing, and um, which brings hope, reframing everything that's ahead of us. But yeah, the letting go of, of what's behind us is very hard. It is. Right? And that's where we can sort of sit. But this, you know, naming, and I like this 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 little chain of words, is we name, we claim. We also blame in a healthy way. We place blame where it needs to be. Sometimes it's always blaming us, right? But no, let's place blame where it needs to be. And then let's reframe. I love that. 
I love it. So name, claim, blame, and reframe. Yes. That that's, is. I think when it comes to all these processes, is, that's that's really what it's about. And it's about writing in sort of a new chapter. Right. Building I, on the past. And the, we can't forget. We can't just close that book, right, and throw it away. No, it's we build on the past. And and we live our present very much in light of the future, having learned from the past, but very much in light of the future. Don't you agree as well, Matthew, that it is the past that we bring with us to those new experiences and that we we learn so much in all the journey that even if we move on to another part of a journey or recreate, uh, that we still bring all of the wisdom and the lessons with us and it makes us better in the next step. I totally feel that way. Like when I went from corporate to the next thing, I felt that I had learned everything I knew was from corporate. Then when I left the the next thing and I moved into this new thing, same thing. Everything that I know that I use today to work with my clients and, and you know, even guests on my show came from all of the experiences mm-hmm that I had in those years. So I never feel that any of this is lost. I feel that we're where we are, that we need to take the good, right? Remember the experience or remember the, really remember the lesson and forget the experience, but we, you know, and, and move on and take that with us. And that makes us better and more prepared for what's next. Definitely. It is. It's very hard. But yes, it's reconciling the past. It's not like when people that go through trauma, it's, again, there's a, a few other levels of challenges with that. Sure. But but again, I know people that have reconciled with any type of trauma from their past. And like you said, they're better people because of that, not because of the trauma, but because of how they dealt with it and how they reconciled it. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of, again, it brings us back to this disillusionment or whatever you know, this that we're talking about is, is that disillusionment when it's followed by cynicism when it's followed by disbelief when it's followed by negativity it leads us to be disconnected from our reality because we want to disconnect from the pain right and from whatever it is sure and then and so on so on one end we have this pessimism pessimism at one end of the spectrum which is disillusionment when we don't deal with it it leads to this pessimism and then we have this idealism and fantasy Right. On the other side, when it's, you know, what's disconnected from reality and from ourselves, right? That's that that kind of like in unrealistic optimism is on the other side of the spectrum. But we really want to find ourselves in the middle where our idealism, our expectations, they're grounded and that we can also learn from them as we go when they don't fulfill themselves and readjust and continue to rewrite the story. And as we go back to the God point that that God walks with us as we re- rewrite the story and he gives us light. I love that because I was thinking the same thing is, okay, here's the deal. Bottom line, right? God doesn't want us to be stuck. Every single thing he put on this earth was put here to grow. And so, you know, we're not serving him if we're stuck, Mm -hmm. if we're lost, if we're afraid, like those things don't come from God. And so I feel like wherever you are, our listeners, wherever they are right now, just know that and just let that be enough to make you take the next step step. Because the one thing I know for sure is he doesn't want you to die off and be stuck. Uh, he's looking for fruit, right? And so, right. yeah, so, and so it be brave, make the decision, do what you think, 
you should be doing. Do what you think if, if, you know, you want to bring God into your decision, do what you think God would have you do. Ask him. I, I mean, Hey, have a conversation with him if that's what you need to do. But I, I love what you're saying here, Matthew. And, um, we, Amy, we should thing, let me add something as I know we're yeah. getting close again, but another thing that helps us is think, you know, 10 years, 12 years, 20 years, down the road, or even not to get morbid, but even think on your deathbed. Yes. When you look back on this moment of disillusionment that you're going through, how would you like to look back on it and how you dealt with it? That's That can help us. That visioning can really help us um, put things into perspective and how we want to deal with it. I love that. I actually, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I'm, I'm kind of living my life that way, looking at death. Not that I expect to be close to death, but I'm at that part of my life where I'm like, okay, what else is important to me? What other impact can I make in the world before I die? Right. And so I think like that's important as well. So I feel like we need to do that. And let's talk about resilience a little bit. Let's, yeah. let's jump in. Come on. <laughs> I think resilience is very linked to this. Yes. And I was, because when you look at the studies on resilient people, there's sort of three common denominators. And we're going to link this right now to disillusionment. Is resilient people, they know. In other words, they have this deep conviction and they know that suffering, difficulties, and challenges are going to come their way. Second thing, resilient people select where to focus. And that's what we're talking about, that choice that we make. Is it towards hope or is it towards cynicism? Is it towards disconnecting from myself and from everything or, or leaning into it and, and starting to rewrite, rewrite the story? Yeah. Then the third one is resilient people ask if what I am doing, the way I'm doing this or what I'm doing, if it's helping me or if it's harming me. So resilience, it's a big topic and really it encompasses, I like the word, I was resistant to the word for a while because everyone uses it, but in the end it's an all, it's a, it encompasses so much about our human experience. And I like to use the expression of a, of a rubber band because people think that every, we all have to have the same level of resilience. No, we, everyone has different types and levels of resilience. We, comparison is, is not helpful in this area. So rubber bands, they're all different sizes. They can stretch different lengths and, all, and they're all have, they all have a purpose to meet. Okay. And if we stretch something too far, then it breaks, right? And, all, and the same thing with the human. So resilience is that ability, obviously, to know our limits, to stay within those, but to really embrace what we're doing and to do it our best. And to remember that, that my level of resilience is here and I'm going to stay within that. Oftentimes we stretch ourselves and that's where burnout happens. That's where whatever, all disillusionment, all these other things happen. And then we're sort of, we have to fix the rubber band <laughs> and, and it's not as strong as it used to be again natural natural human experience that's it's just what we go through but resilience it, it encompasses so much of who we are as as human beings so we don't need to go into all that right now but i wanted to highlight those three things that common denominators about people that are resilient because it has very much to do with this topic is they know that challenges will come their way so they're in essence they're they have great expectations and ideal ideals, but they're very grounded in reality. But you know, things <laughs> something's gonna go south at some point. And then they select where to focus their attention. And that's very hard for us to do when we're going through crisis and pain, because we want to focus our attention on the crisis and the pain or what we don't like the negative. And whereas it behooves us and it suits us better to focus where what will mostly be good for us. And that's why the third one is what's is, what behavior or what focus or what am I doing that's, is this helping me or is this harming me? 
I love that. So simple and so profound. Those are great, great questions and the test of resilience. Oh, this has been so fun. All right. Well, listen, we got to talk about Bracket Alliance. So tell us about what's going on in Bracket Alliance right now. I just, I feel like this is so good because this is just a little example about the transformation that you're able to help your clients with as they journey through this thing called life. So tell us a little bit about what's going on there. What's happening? Thank you, Kimmy. <laughs> so there's, I offer two types of service. One is really the individual coaching, okay, in which is, geared towards building resilience in people in leadership roles for themselves and then also how they lead right? and just creating better environments. But I, again, I believe that the personal and professional very much are that intersection is so important. And as, as you mentioned at the beginning, that the reconciling of our tensions, because we're pulled in so many directions and we don't, we, we want that pull to be healthy, a healthy tension and not unhealthy. So my, my work with people is uh, to understand all the tensions and to come to clarity and balance and reconciling those tensions in a positive way. And I do that with well, this one tool that I use, which is, it's, and it, I love it because it's, it's a very, it's a journey that's set as has verb. It's very marked out and it's called the results accelerator. And we go through, and it's about helping someone understand their identity. What are their values? What are their needs? Right. What makes you show up at your best? Okay. What are your goals? And then, and with that, then we lead that to a, uh, to, um, a results roadmap, which really, you know, we have goals, but then we have results. Meaning when I, when I refer to results, more the internal part of what does, if I achieve this goal, what will it do for me in the big picture? And then there's very, it's a very visual process. And I, it, it's like a, a sort of a backdoor into someone's psychology, a non-invasive way into someone's psychology to help them understand that it brings so much good stuff to the surface, six or seven hours. And they, all of a sudden they have a huge picture of who they are. They understand themselves better and it's about playing to their strengths. And so they walk away with a lot more clarity and confidence. I love that. So that's one of the tools that I use. The other aspect of my, the bracket Alliance is really around education is, um, conferences, workshops, and things around personal development and development of leadership abilities and, and skills. Awesome. Oh, that's amazing. Well, this ties right into all of that. So I'm so excited that we were able to have this conversation. Tell our listeners where they can find you. Right now, I would say look, to, look me up on LinkedIn. And Perfect. You find me at Matthew Brackett, drop me a message and we can definitely connect. You know, and disillusionment, again, the whole process of coaching is deals with that. Right. And as we were talking about, it's about getting unstuck. Right. And so leaning into it also with couples. I do some work with couples again, because in our marriages, we can have disillusionment in what we want to make. All right. How can we make it work? How can we, how can we love better and live better? So processing all of it is so important. That's awesome. And for our listeners, just click the show notes and you'll be able to click right into Matthew and all of the links where you can find him. If you want to keep going with this conversation or start one new where he can support you in your journey. Well, Matthew, this has been amazing. Thank you for being here for the second time around. I want to encourage our listeners to go back and listen to your very first episode with us, which was also equally amazing. And uh, if you want to know more about Matthew and his journey, you can definitely hear it there. 
But you know, on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners we're going to bring them fierce entrepreneurs. We're going to spotlight their zones of genius, which you have done so well today. Uh, thanks to Rebecca Urban for putting that topic out there for us to talk about. And what a fabulous conversation. Hey, I hope you're enjoying this episode. And just before we get to the good stuff, right? The good, the bad, and the ugly, I have this great announcement for you. We are starting the Pod Power Hour, which is a virtual event that's going to happen on Wednesdays at noon Eastern. And so if you've ever thought about having a podcast, if you have questions, if you are a podcaster and you want to come and meet other podcasters and learn what's new, what's happening, tips and tricks to be better at this amazing passion of podcasting that you have, we would love for you to join us. We're going to have experts there that are going to be sharing their genius. It's going to be amazing. So, and if you're a host and you want to come meet some amazing uh, people that could be potential guests for you on your show, come on out. What a great way to get exposure. Be sure to check it out on my website at camilehman.com as well as follow me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. Whatever is your favorite platform, we will have registration there. You do need to register to attend and it is on Zoom. So super simple, just one hour every other Wednesday. We start on May 4th, so don't miss out. Get registered today. We can't wait to see you there. You have moved from fighting cancer to discovering how to live beyond it. But what now? With so many emotional side effects still unknown, as a new survivor, you find yourself in a void as you navigate through the isolation, fear, and an uncertain future that can overshadow you and your family for years to come. Instead of focusing on the uncertainty of cancer, Consider how strong and determined you are and think of the strength demonstrated by those who stood beside you through it all. Consider this. You now get to choose who you want to be and what your intentional, fulfilled life can look like. You made it through treatment. We can help you define yourself as a survivor. We're here to help you through this moment, to walk beside you as you shift your mindset from counting the days of life to creating a legacy. For more information, visit www.adventuretherapyfoundation.org or contact us at info at adventurefound.org. Uh, but you know we're not done, right? Because uh -oh. I was <laughs> you no, I never forget we because <laughs> you cannot come here and get away without being authentic and sharing with our listeners your journey of the good, the bad, and the ugly that you took to have the success you have today. So are you ready to share some fun stories or oh, not so fun? Yes, we're ready. <laughs> We're ready. <laughs> We're ready. Okay. You know how it goes. We're going to start with the good. Tell me a story about the good or the great part of this journey. Right. So I would say the good, and I don't know if there's a specific story, whether we, I, we kind of insinuated a little bit at the beginning of my transitions and difficult. I would say the good part is the gift of disillusionment because it, 
it made me face so many truths about myself and begin to write the story differently. And, and I would never would have been able to do that. Now, did I see it as a gift in the moment? No, I didn't see it as a gift. But again, it goes on how we deal with it. Okay. And then I can look back and say, all right, yeah, I made mistakes along the way, but I'm generally pretty content with the way I dealt with it and everything that I've learned and how I grew in the process. So I would say that's the good. I love that. And I love that because it, not because you went through that because you wouldn't ever wish that on anyone. It's a gift today. It was a curse. It felt like a curse. I'm sure as you went through it, but look how many more people you can help because you walked through that muddy trail, right? Mm -hmm. yes. I, I firmly believe that. And when I ministered in the Navy as a chaplain, I think I helped, I serve people much better because of what I've been through. And I, I will hopefully continue to serve people much better because of what I've been through. I, I agree. I agree. And, and they are gifts. And I'm, I'm so happy to hear you say that. That was fun, but here we go. <laughs> we're going to talk about the bad. Uh, we're going to save the ugly for last. So tell us a story about the bad part of the journey. The bad part, and then this goes back to just being an institutionalized and organized religion, which I'm, I'm still a, a fervent practicer of my faith, but it's the human side. The bad is when I felt the people who had said that they were there to they were there for me. They were my brothers. Um, or they professed to be, you know, in the same that they, in the end, they, many walk away because for whatever reason. Or, and then being hurt by people that are in ministry because of the politics and all the other dynamics that are there. And um, that's, that was a very kind of a rude awakening. And that was the bad part. They're back to disillusionment too, right? Because mm -hmm. well, pe people actually say they're gonna they're gonna support you, and then you know, and then they don't. So it's like not even that you expect it, but it's you know that that they say they will, and then it gets tough. Why do you think that is? I mean, if I were to say off the top of my head, I would say they don't know how, right? Like mm -hmm. things get sticky and they bail because a lot of times people bail when things get sticky, right? Uh, what do they say when your friend's in the mud puddle? Do you back up because you don't want to get splashed? Right. Uh, why do you think it is though, Matthew, just based on your experience and what you've seen even since then? Well, I think that's... I think that's one of it. One of them, people don't know what to do. And the other thing is in organizations, people have an organization to defend and to protect. And this happens in all big organizations. In the end, and I don't mean this as a negative thing, but in the end, it's it's about the organization. And so if you're you are you're gonna fall through the cracks or you're gonna be someone has to suffer, well then Okay, well, you're the one, right? I, you know, mm -hmm. it happens in the military, it happens in government, it happens in so many organizations because right. it's about keeping the organization strong and whatever. But people in the end, you know, in, but organizations that say that they are people-centered, all of a sudden you're like, well, it's not really true. Or if you're in an organization where we all call ourselves brothers and sisters or we call ourselves family, well, like, no, yeah, well, <laughs> not, that's not really, and it ends up not being not being the truth and it's very hurtful mm. so I, that's i mean i don't know if that answers your question about why it happens it does it does somewhat and so then here's my next question around that is um 
how, what would be the right way? Like in my mind, I wrote down just as you were saying what you were saying, I wrote down human, right? We're all human. And sometimes we have to separate that from this structure or this business or, or whatever's happening to look at the human to say that's still human person. We, you know, can't abandon. We have to love through that. Uh, what do you feel? Uh, how could we be better in this area? And not just necessarily what you went through, but just in general, this is a problem across the world, right? right? So how, what, what suggestion do you have that where we could handle things better? Well, I think going, when you see people going through this, first a challenge is sometimes it challenges your belief system or your own expectations, right? You can get disillusioned, but so I think it's, we just caring for each other. I mean, the beauty of the human person, our ability to love and care for each other is is fascinating, but we're, <laughs> we're not always very good at it. And I think as we evolve as a, as a human race, sadly, I think we've gotten worse in all the stuff that's out there. There's so much negativity. And so no one's, you know, in the end, it's like no one's got anyone's back mm. yeah. until tragedy happens. Then all of a sudden, why, why do we have to wait for tragedy to happen or for, you know, like we can, we can, backstab people until all of a sudden something tragic happens like oh well all of a sudden no let's always have things in perspective of the dignity of who we are as human beings and how we treat others so again I, that's what comes to mind right now but there's I love it. much that we could talk about yeah, I mean, listen, if we want to get religious here, you know, love thy neighbor is one of the commandments, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we are called to love the people. Uh, you know, it's not our it's not our job to judge, we're to love them. So, I think, you know, maybe the yes. Beatles were right. All maybe all you do need is love. <laughs> and uh, the other golden rule do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And um so I think the struggles that I've, even before I went through all my difficult, I just had a place, very special place in my heart for people that go through difficulties, but that became so much bigger when I went through my difficulties of these sensitivity towards it. But sometimes that's what we need as humans. We need to kind of go through something experience, but I would encourage your listeners. Don't wait for that to happen. Expand your heart. You can love and you can give better. You can be much more graceful towards people because you deserve it as a human being. And they do too. I love that. The the law of reciprocity, right? All right, here we go. <laughs> We're going for ugly now. So ugly. T- tell us the a story ugly. about the ugly part. The ugly was, the general ugly was, was really with the disillusionment, with the crisis and everything, really just finding myself in this deep state of depression, which I didn't know how to call it at the time. Um, depression just in the way I viewed myself I kind of I hated myself and where I was at in life and, and it, I guess how a lot of it has to do with that disillusionment and not knowing how to deal with it and just staying stuck and then looking for part of the ugly is also looking for meaning or purpose in the wrong places it wasn't even purpose looking for consolation in the wrong places and in our other podcast we talk about this for example and just the disordered the disordered expression of sexuality right which i would call it that but you know in, in looking into pornography looking into relationships that i had made a commitment not to have right like as we talked about an affair or fling things like that which i looked in the wrong places for for some some consolation right and so that was part of the, the ugly part of the journey mm-hmm. 
Yep. And I know that it was an ugly part for you, but look at you now. You're so much wiser. You, you're on the right track. You did what you needed to do. You, you did what you talk about here with resilience, right? Your three parts of, of those right. questions of resilience and hope. Uh, and I'm just so happy for you. And it's such a joy to know you and to be able to share you with our listeners and say, look at you now. Like <laughs> there's still a lot of work to do. <laughs> oh, we are all a work in progress, but look at you now. And I'm just, I'm just thrilled to have you. And I just, I love this conversation. Again, I want to thank Rebecca Urban. We're going to send her so much love today. And, uh, and uh, anyone who's listening, if you have questions or you're stuck or you're struggling, just reach out, just reach out. Let us help you get to the place where you need to be so that you can get on your way to your best life. Anything else, Matthew, any last final words you have? Mm, no, no, just really thank you, Cami, for having me on here yet again. It's an honor to be here on the She's Invincible podcast. I feel I'm really privileged. So thank you. And thank you for your friendship and support. We can never say no, Matthew, to amazing conversations that are going to turn the hearts of the people and give them what they need when they're not brave enough to ask for it or they don't know who to ask. And so it is just one of my highest honors to be able to have a platform to bring people like you and others to share the wisdom and the experiences. And, you know, our mission here is to encourage the people to give them hope and get them back on track to chase their dreams. So with that, I'm going to say to our listeners, click the link in the show notes so you can find Matthew. And I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, get back up. You can do it. Tell them, Matthew. You can do it. And well, let's close with this, Cami. what Victor Frankl says. Great story. But when he says, when we are no longer able to change the situation, we are challenged to change ourselves and to continue to rewrite that story. So thank you. I love that. Get back up. Just get back up. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us today. If you were inspired or learned something new, please subscribe to the podcast, give us a review and share us with your friends. For more information about me and how I can support you, please stop on over to my website at camilehman.com and book a free call with me. I'd love to meet you and learn more about how I can support you.